I'm Danny DiCrescenzo, and I'm joined by Ashley Fetters Malloy, a feature reporter for the Washington Post who covers pop culture, politics, and lifestyle. While previously working for The Atlantic, she penned an article titled, Who is a Wine Mom?, which, as the title suggests, explores what makes a wine mom. And that's the article we will be talking about today. Ms. Fetters Malloy, thank you so much for joining me. Of course, Danny. Thanks for having me. No problem. So I think the question we need to start with is, what is a wine mom and what motivated you to do a deep dive into the term? Oh, goodness. Well, let me start with that second part. So when I was working at my last job at The Atlantic, um, my editor and I just, you know, we'd throw a lot of things around in meetings that were just kind of like things that sort of made our brains stick for a minute or just kind of, you know, things that we we, we kept track of things that just kind of like fascinated us um, and didn't, you know, didn't have um you know, didn't have a whole lot written about them before. So, um, you know, we just kind of sat down together and we were like, what if we did a thing on wine moms? And we just came at it from a couple of different angles and just, we, you know, our, our concept was we wanted to suss out precisely that question of what is a wine mom? And what I came up with was, um, so wine mom, turns out it means a couple of things in a colloquial sense. Like a wine mom to some people is literally just a mom who pours a glass of wine when she needs her 20 minutes of adult time away from her kids. And um, there's a whole lot to unpack about that definition of the wine mom, certainly. Um, but it also has, like, in recent years, come to mean something else in, like, these low-level kind of left-skewing political discourses. Um, it kind of means something close to calling a, a woman a Karen or, like, so the, the kind of this, like, wealthy white lady who is, like, blind to her own privilege, kind of thinks her, you know, champagne problems, so to speak, are, are more important than other people's more serious problems. So a couple different, couple different ways people use that phrase. We will definitely get into that political aspect in a little bit, but you write a lot about wine mom humor and the popularity of wine mom based social media accounts. Why do you think the idea of being a wine mom is a label that is able to resonate in those areas? Sure. So, I mean, I mean, one thing that I think is really appealing about the wine mom is, well, let me start here. For some people, it is this kind of simple, funny, like gallows gallows humor way of joking about how hard and intense and time-consuming parenting can be, which of course is really relatable to a lot of parents and a lot of people who like watch other people parent. It's like, wow, this seems like a really hard job. I might need a glass of wine if I did this, or you know, I do need a glass of wine when I do do this. So I think there's something very relatable at the heart of that. Um, and of course, you know, as, as proof of that, there's this whole cottage industry of, like we said, social media accounts, but also like, you know, if you go on Etsy and look for wine mom, you get a whole bunch of like painted signs and shirts and throw pillows with, um, you know, little, little sayings inscribed on them. Like the most expensive part about having kids is all the wine you have to buy that kind of thing. And, and I, I do, I do think that stems from this idea that parenting is so hard that sometimes you just need a break. And I think the wine has come to, to signify or sort of be shorthand for that break you need when your parent, when your, your children have overwhelmed you. And there is that dark side that you alluded to earlier. Uh, there's a popular perception of why mom culture glorifying drinking to excess, though you cite research that disputes the idea of mothers being disproportionately prone to heavy drinking what do you think those concerns about, you know, the drinking culture say about the perceptions and the strenuousness of middle class motherhood in America? That's right. I mean, I, I think you're right. Like in response to to humor like this, there is this level of concern that 
you know, that, that women are drinking a lot of wine to sort of self-medicate to cope with just how hard mothering can be. Um, certainly there is reason to be concerned about that. Lots of mothers do in fact have problems with alcohol abuse, just as lots of people in general have problems with alcohol abuse. But I think that right there is maybe the proper way to think about it. Um, it's not moms in particular who are developing problems with binge drinking, but kind of everybody. Like studies from a few years ago, I said this in the story, um, show that between 2006 and 2018, binge drinking was up across a lot of different sectors of, of adult population um, or the adult population in the US. That childless adult women did it actually, in fact, more than mothers did. And of course the pandemic <laughs> didn't help with that. You know, binge drinking is up among everybody right now. So while there is all this concern over, you know, the mothers are drinking too much, you know, maybe it's worth tweaking that concern to, oh no, everybody is drinking too much. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think there's certainly that. And I, I do think that like, like you were asking the concern itself does send a message about, about the way we see mothers in society, right? Moms, moms famously do their job around the clock, right? It is this um, famously, like, like I was just saying, intense and around the clock kind of role. And so moms drinking anytime to, to a lot of people's view is moms drinking on the job, <laughs> which honestly, you know, it, it invites us to think a little bit more about how did mothering become this 24 hour job in the first place? And there's a lot of factors to get into there. That's, <laughs> this was a story about wine moms that became a story about everything, right? It, you know, you look at the, the support networks that moms used to have that kind of disintegrated over time. You know, childcare prices have skyrocketed. Lots of corporate environments have started to function as though all their employees are single and childless. Grandparents are more likely to be working themselves now. So it's like all these places that you could put your kids <laughs> for a while have sort of disappeared. And so, you know, it, it is it is worth considering, you know, the, the concern itself says something about mothering itself. And if you look at mothering itself right now, it's harder than it's been. So going off that, to what extent is the wine mom subculture an extension of how difficult mothering has become? Do you think it's a label that can, let's say, let's say there's improvements to the state of mothers in this country. Do you think the wine mom label would survive then or it would just change to reflect that? Mm, that's a great question. Um, you know, the wine mom idea does attract so much concern, especially in a time of, 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 you know, of concern at, at large about binge drinking that I would, my hope is for, <laughs> my hope is that, you know, if, if some of these support networks were to be, a, to be restored in a, in a robust way, and, you know, women did have more time on their hands to relax and restore and kind of have leisure time, I, I hope there would be some sort of subculture of, that's not even subculture, I hope there would be a culture of, of leisure moms, <laughs> right, who, who take time, you know, I hope we have golf moms and tennis moms and hammock moms and beach moms, you know, I hope there are, you know, in the future, you know, like we're saying, when when these 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 problems have been a little bit alleviated in society, I hope there's lots of ways that moms kick back, not just with a glass of wine in their bathroom with the door locked. And the one aspect of your piece I found especially interesting, regard, re, regardless of the concerns, is that how the wine mom class, the socio-political class, has a tie to Karens, as you mentioned earlier, and it sort of stands as this as a symbol of suburban affluence. Can you go into detail about how that coalesces? Because I thought that was a really interesting yeah. take about how it functions in a political sphere. Yeah, this one was like by far the most interesting and surprising to report on. Um, so this person I spoke to named Lisa Jacobson, who um, you know does does history research on research on food and beverages, said something really interesting about how wine became a symbol of middle class leisure. 
um, and just kind of middle-class good taste, right? And so I think there is this, this link there between wine and being sort of comfortably affluent, right? And so wine mom has kind of come to mean this, this like I was saying, this wealthy sort of uh, white lady who is a little bit blind to more serious problems than she has. And, um, you know, when I was looking through some some Twitter discourse about this when I was reporting the story, I found a couple of very funny tweets where one woman was like, I got called a neoliberal wine mom because I was Bernie skeptical. <laughs> Which I just thought was very funny. And you know, someone else um, used it in a more pejorative, like outward facing way and said, uh, this resistance wine mom clearly just wants to rail on socialism because all of us youths are into it now. <laughs> so it does, you know, it does over time develop this um, this other meaning as a shorthand for um, somebody who is so comfortable into in their own affluence that they just don't see past it. Now, taking into the account the political side, the alcohol side, it's not every day that somebody decides I'm going to write an article about wine moms. So what do you think is the biggest takeaway that you took from writing this article? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, whenever I see someone use this phrase, I do kind of pause and think about, you know, what all is informing this person's use of that phrase? You know, is it generational? Is it regional? Like you were saying, you know, there are certain regions of the country where this is a more familiar concept than others. Um, it, it, it makes me stop and think about the way we use this language. And of course, you know, I, I think that's what a lot of great stories do is they make you stop and think about like, why are we talking about this this way? Or why are we, um, why are we invoking this concept? You know, I think, I think a lot of great, um, a lot of great features kind of ask you that question and make you pause later on. Um, so yeah, that was my big takeaway was that, that this is something that has become multi, multi-meaninged, right? It's, um, it's, it's got a lot of different definitions and it's one of these phrases that has slipped into the vernacular and through a couple of different doors. It certainly has. And before I let you go, where can our listeners find your current work now that you work for the Washington Post? Oh yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, well, you can find me on the Washington Post website, obviously. And then you can also follow me on Twitter at A Fetters Malloy with one awesome. L. <laughs> gosh, gotcha. Awesome. And once again, that was Ashley Fetters Malloy, a feature reporter for the Washington Post. And we talked about an article she wrote for the Atlantic while she was working for them titled, Who is a Wine Mom? Ms. Fetters Malloy, thank you so much for taking the time. This is a pleasure. Thank you so much, Danny. It's been really fun.